Welcome to Encounter. This is a podcast and radio show where we seek to encounter a Christ culture and community. We are so happy that you decided to tune back in with this podcast. Uh, we are chipping away at some really heavy topics, some Bible topics, some theology here, talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're trying our best to make it, you know, low-hanging fruit and also something we can strive for and kind of challenge each other. So just tonight when we when we cover this this topic, we're going to be reading Acts 2, almost the entire chapter, and um, we're going to be talking about all the aspects that are brought up of the Holy Spirit, tying in our conversations about the Old Testament, the conversations about uh, what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be, then the implications. This is a beautiful chapter. This is the inception of the church um, and the church today. So um, as we study the Holy Spirit and we study what's happening in this, uh, we want to have um, life-changing conversations about the Scripture and let the Word indwell us so that we can then go out and uh, be powerful agents for the kingdom of Christ. So I pray that you guys listen. Um, uh, we say this time and time again, but please, as we talk about the Word of God, please read the Word of God. Open up your Bibles, have conversations with friends, have conversations with your family, and let God change your life. So as we get into spring and we're excited about, you know, different guests that are coming on soon, um, just keep in mind we still have allergies and we still have uh, some nasal congestion. So um, you'll hear us sniffling and eating massive amounts of cough drops throughout the episode. Um, and the reason why we continue on is we believe that the Word of God is greater and more important than our comfort. So I pray that truth is evident in your lives as well as you pursue ministry and as you um, are living testimonies of the gospel of Christ. So enjoy your car ride or wherever you're listening to this. And thank you again for tuning into Encounter. Please like, subscribe, and favorite this podcast. So I did buy um, that card game, and I bought, I've got another one, and this one was like, um, did you get it yet? No, I oh. ordered it today because oh, okay. um, it was like it's it's a small company, so I I shipping is big charge, and yeah. it's a thirty bucks thing already. So I was like okay. thirty eight dollars for this this one. Is game. that the one where like you're you're calling out people's like, judging? Yeah, um, yeah, that one, that, and I think that'd be fine in the right circles. That'd be fun just like if we're all hanging out and trying to do something fun, but. There's another one. It's like 180 um, conversation starters to make gospel the center of your life. That's cool. So it's like um, some of them are just like family <laughs> questions, like Bible questions. And they're just supposed to be like, if you're ever at a lull, mm. pull one out and they'll redirect you to have something to do with the Bible. Is, um, it, is it a game or is it more of an not, apologetic not a, thing? It's not in a game. It's just okay. like um, conversation starters yeah. for small groups um, or for families. And like I saw it had a couple hundred reviews on Amazon or in a couple hundred but a bunch for, compared to the other games. And it was just like, made our family more more Bible-centered. Like, so it was kind of cool. Um, so I was like, you know, it was 15 bucks, I'll, I'll add it. Um, so yeah, hopefully that'll come in soon. And even if we wanted to just like 
do an episode where we pick the three or four of them and, yeah. and just talk about them. Yeah. And they did in the past with their questions. Yeah. So there's one company that that's, that's called like the Christian card company. And um, I'll make a plug for them since we started a while ago. Um, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, the Christian card company makes like card games for Christians and they, they take modern common like cards against humanity and they did a, um, and they make them Christian so that you can play with them with small groups. Yeah, yeah. Apparently it's a pastor and it's cool. They did like a Kickstarter and they got like 50 grand until he started. But now like, you know, Christians are looking for things that don't compromise. Like Cards Against Humanity is a fun game, you know, but yeah, you, yeah. you want to do play yeah. in, a game, in a way that's not going to compromise anything. Yeah. So they started making like, but keeping the edginess to it, like that cast you for a stone one, it's got a little, it's not inappropriate at all, but it's still yeah. like, it keeps that tension in the room right, when you're right. talking about each other. And, um, so I'm excited for that to come in. I, I, quite honestly, I, I, I dislike games. Um, so do I. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. It has to be the right, like, okay, what kind do you like? I, I like ones that create laughter and social, like, interactions with each other. I don't like the competitive sitting around a board doing things. Board stuff, like, like, Monopoly, anything like that, Most, not a fan of, yeah. but, like, any, like, trivia and, like, teams yeah, and yeah, stuff, yeah. I absolutely love. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like I, I guess, like, this, so, this has to be more social than, like, I'm trying mm -hmm. to beat you in this oh, thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like even though that was the one they put in your head, like heads up, no, heads heads up. up. Yeah. I don't mind that one. That was fun, yeah. Um, I just think we overdid it for a while, so I don't want to play yeah, it anymore. Yeah. But that one's fun. Makes people laugh. There was one that we used to play every year during New Year's Eve, and I'll think of the name in a minute, but it's such a simple concept, and it every single time it, it became like the highlight of the year. Mm. It's it's just like they, they, you, there's a word that no one has ever heard of, and it's real, and you put it down. Uh, Vince will remember the name of it because like all my friends that used to like, you know, it became like a bunch of old people and then they would play it and it was more fun than going out, you know? And mm. so I had a couple of friends come over one time because they, they got they nowhere else to go. And then my friends like enjoyed playing it so much it became like a building thing. But it's just basically, um, it's called Boulder Dash. There's, there's one, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, there's one <laughs> word. Everybody takes a guess at what it is, you know? And the idea is like, to make it sound like it might be the definition. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there's some people that you can kind of tell, like my mom's always like, there's an African tribe flower, you know? Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's fun. When you get to know people, you can always tell who the mm -hmm. person is that's writing in the definitions. So yes. um, that's our first sponsor. Yeah. 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 Baldur Dash. The name of the com company? <laughs> yeah. Christian Cards? The Christian Card Company. That's the whole name of the company? I believe so. Mm -hmm. On Amazon, that's what it was. All right. Um, so, um, Joe's gonna solo it tonight because um, I sound like Caitlyn. I, I sound like Caitlyn Jenner right now, so <laughs> I'm gonna be soloing it a little bit. Wow! Um, and um, all right, so we've been building up to Acts for a little bit. We mm -hmm. had our overview. We had our Acts one. We had Holy Spirit if, uh, by the words of Jesus. We had the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. and now we're in Acts two. So this is the start of the church, the formation of the church. And um, hopefully all those things leading up to this moment will kind of come to fruition and we'll see them play out before us as we study Acts 2. So I'm excited because um, this is the first time I've gone through um, a study that originates from the Word out instead of starting with the framework and going in. Okay, yeah, yeah. For uh, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because people are afraid you'll come to the wrong conclusion. So whenever I studied the Holy Spirit, I was like, okay, so you're in this dispensation. Go in with yeah, your eyes yeah, closed yeah. and find the verses that support it. And then, you know, um, and or if you're in this covenant, whatever the, yeah, whatever yeah. the, the framework is. You yeah. know? So it's, it's just fun going through, like, what does the Bible say, and um, work your way out. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. 
this is going to be interesting because I I, could, I feel like I could talk for five hours about this one. That's perfect. <laughs> no, so, but that's that means it's the, my brain's all. You over want to select so. the right things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because nobody. Yeah. So, um, if anybody listening, just so you're aware, Joe has a 23 page document that we're going off of tonight, um, with you know just personal study and stuff that you, yeah, we're yeah, going I'm, off I'm t- of. Once it says. X2, I just copy and pasted from. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm yeah, saying that's yeah. all good stuff, though. So there's a, there's a lot that we want to uh, cover and talk about, but we also want to keep it grounded and, you know, have conversations too. So it's just not just information or like, you know, unloading. Um, so we had our recap. Do you want to, do you have two verses you're highlighted for the recap? Do you want to go over them? Hebrews 10.1 and Colossians? Yeah. So, um, well, just, so obviously what's happening at, at X2 is Pentecost, which we talked about last mm-hmm. episode, um, <clears throat> which is just celebrating the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai mm-hmm. 50 days after Passover. So, um, but what's, 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 <laughs> what's important to know is that all of the feast days were types and shadows of the real thing that would happen in the Messianic age. So it's just types of shadows of things to come. And that's, Which is a phrase from Hebrews 10.1. Oh yeah, and Colossians. Yeah, so mm-hmm. Hebrews 10.1, for the law, so that's, everything in the law for the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect so the you know the sacrifices and the year by year literally talking about the feast days like they can never make anybody perfect um but they were all signs and shadows of the thing to come mm. so mm-hmm. colossians 2 16 to 17 uh Paul says the same thing, so that no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are shadows of the things to come, but the substance is of Messiah. So, um, This brings me back to that analogy we used to, like, we used to talk about with like Jesus standing in the middle of the yeah, Bible and casting yeah. a shadow both ways. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's cool. You know what's crazy? I was actually listening to a, a, a preacher recently, and he almost said it verbatim the same exact thing. I promise I didn't steal it. No, no, I, okay. I trust it. Yeah, that was a while ago. But it was that's exactly what's, hap- what's happening. Yeah, but I think you topped that analogy with the projector analogy. Those are two different things. I know, but that just in general, oh, you ranking like analogies, oh, okay. it goes that skyscraper shadow. Money, you're, yours is... Yours is a verse no, behind it. No, yours is great. No, yours, yours is great. Is, no, yours is better. Yeah, um, yeah so... Then just to recap that, read that there. It says the the first Pentecost. Yeah, sure. I got it. Cool. No, yeah, I got, I got, I got. It. <laughs> Hebrews uh, uh, twelve uh, eight to twenty one. For you have not come to the mountain that has been that may be touched and that may burn with fire, Mount Sinai, uh, and to uh, blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of the words, so that those who heard it begged and that the words should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. Okay. And then the second Pentecost, he goes in right after this, Adam. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of the just men who made perfect, uh, who men made perfect, to Yeshua, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better things than of 
than that of Abel. Right. So these are, we we did we did read them two before, but it's just comparing the two covenants. Hebrews like that's all Hebrews is really. Mm-hmm. Um, so then uh, I have this graph here about the first Pentecost and the second Pentecost. Um, if I'll read the first one, you want to read the second one? Yeah. So so, so at first Pentecost, you get the old covenant on Mount Sinai. Second Pentecost, you have the new covenant on Mount Zion. The first Pentecost, mountain blazed with fire. At the second, the tongues of fire appear on each person. The commandments were written on stone. Law was written on hearts. Uh, to the whole house of Israel. To the whole house of Israel. Um, we were made his own possession, kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Made his own possession, kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Birth of ethnic Israel. Birth of spiritual Israel. Twelve tribes of Israel. Twelve disciples made with Matthias. Three thousand souls die. Three thousand souls receive life. Shofar grew louder and louder. Sound of rushing mighty wind. So those are just the backdrops of things you're going to see unfold. Yeah, so we talk often on the podcast about the idea of parallelism. Yeah. Um, and one thing, I, when I was trying to think of, what, and when we did John, there was a parallelism we found between a couple yeah. stories. The idea of parallel lines is that not only do they, um, when you from a distance, it, you can appreciate how perfect each one is. It really holds the other line accountable. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Bible's so so beautiful, and that's why we're highlighting this is because if one of the lines veers away for a little bit, it's like, oh man, the Bible's not lining up there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So when you start to see some parallels, you can start. Okay, so these are parallel lines; these are mm-hmm. parallel events, um, and then you can hold the Bible accountable to itself, right? Which is like another layer of like, um, if somebody's asking for a proof that the Bible's inspired, right? Parallelism is like one of the many proofs you can use. But yeah, yeah, and then the opposite of that would be contrasts. Yes. Which are used together. Intentionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we had talked about like the theme of the second Exodus and the you know, the first uh, the first Exodus, which is obviously an Exodus. Um we we can recap it again, we don't have to, but uh I have just in case how like John one through five is literally setting that scene for us. Mm. Um but we don't have to recap that if we don't want to. But uh Addie is not Addie, doing, yeah, Addie decided she's struggling that's a hard right. time. Not, <laughs> not feeling it. Not. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, um, Acts too. Does somebody want to start reading or? Yeah, so um, I can pull it up. Yeah, so if you can't hear Addison crying in the mic, that's what's happening. We are upstairs crying. Um, So the coming of the Holy Spirit. So we'll go a couple verses in and just kind of break it down piece Mm -hmm. by piece to help you feel going through. Um, Any objections, listeners? I didn't think so. Um, (laughs) When the day of Pentecost had fully come, um, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right, you want to stop there? Okay, yeah. All right, so just simple observations. What do we see? What do we see here? Stands out. Uh, cool. I'm uh, sorry, I I am deep in something else. Unfortunately, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to set up uh, this uh, this Bible with the uh, dyslexic uh, text. Uh, you not, had to pull working. out the, that card. I'm, 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 so, I'm sorry. I got Gosh. so focused on getting it. Uh, I want to be able to read along. So one another uh, kind of. Not comparison, but a, a one that stands out. And this was from my, not not 
you know, like, my own horn, whatever that, that yeah, phrase yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. But like when I remember when I was young, I was like, man, this is kind of like they're all speaking in one tongue and everybody's here. This is kind of like Babel opposite. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't know how to carry that any further than this mm-hmm. other than like God dividing and then God unifying under himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just remember being pretty young and like, hey, because I was always in love with uh, the, the Tower of Babel story. I don't know why. I just mm. liked it when I was a kid. Okay. Because it was like, it explained everything. Everybody sounds different, you know? <laughs> like it made the world around me make sense. Okay. Um, and the fact that like just quick observations, like they're individual fire over their head. So it's an individual feeling of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. um, which is right away different, you know, from, um, I mean, it was individual in the Old Testament, but it's you. For everyone that's there, they're all individually filled. Yeah, it's a, it's a mass pouring out on individuals. Yeah. So it's it's individual, but yet unified on a massive scale. Yeah, and and we talked about with the study of the Holy Spirit how wind stands out mm-hmm. as um, like in in the story of Nicodemus, um, he reflects on the fact that like um, how do you not know what the Spirit is um, if the Spirit's blowing through the the, the trees? Yeah. I'm not I'm misquoting, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. then it's um, what's the Word for um, spirit. Oh, ruach. Uh, ruach. Ruach. I can't remember that. Yeah. Um, ruach uh, literally means like wind or force. And so like the fact that it's coming as a mighty rushing wind. Um, like I, I read that that's kind of split for how um, people believe that happened. If it was just sounded like a wind, if they felt it like a wind. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter, I guess. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, I don't think it does matter. Um, so we're going to keep – So okay. So we're going to keep hearing me bring up though. Is Ezekiel thirty seven because I heard heard somebody talking about like that being the backdrop of Acts two, and then I went deep into it. That's dry bones, right? Uh, yeah, the Valley mm-hmm. of Dry Bones. Yeah, um, and it is like once I started going into it, like it hits me in the face. Yeah, but uh, I mean, just that, just from um, so yeah, okay. So from from Acts one to Acts two, and then you get this, you get the mighty winds. Um, Ezekiel thirty seven nine to ten. This is. The Valley of Dry Bones would be the pouring out of the Holy Spirit um, from Ezekiel's vision. Jeremiah also has – it's all the New Covenant. Jeremiah has the New Covenant vision. Joel has the New Covenant vision. We went through this, right? But in, in part of Ezekiel 37 out of 10, then the Lord God says this, Come from the four winds, breathe, and breathe on these slain so that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Mm. So if you're reading that, Knowing, as we just talked about before, that later down in Acts, a couple of verses down, we're going to talk about 3,000 people, 3,000 souls come to life. Um, it, it, the wind's references are, are – so many of these mm. – it's got every constituent element of Ezekiel 37 is in Acts 2. Okay. Um, so it's interesting, yeah. Um, yeah, the divided t- tongues of fire, um, just like we talked about on, on Mount Sinai. Exodus 19, 18 to 19, on Mount Sinai was an awe and smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the entire mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the shofar grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him with thunder. Um, so already in like the first three verses, you're getting a call back to these things. Mm. And they're not all, not all of them are direct prophecies. They're just parallels from earlier things. Like, I guess we wouldn't think them like as spoken by prophets. Um, 
But yeah, yeah, they are so, like everything in the Old Testament is technically like a shadow of a shadow. Of of prophecy, That's why I started Hebrews. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I'm saying like normally we isolate. Okay, what did Isaiah say? Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. So yeah, Ezekiel's was a prophecy. Yeah, prophecy. The mountain wasn't by like, a prophet. Yeah, right. the it was, was a, just a, it was a shadow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is cool. Um, right. That everything. Right. Um, and this is I you know I think this is the this imagery here. You're saying the fires on each of them. It's like now they're supposed to now be where heaven meets earth. This is the this is the temple imagery, um, and then Paul this, Paul talks about this in Second Corinthians uh, six sixteen, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Um, again, this continues with Ezekiel thirty seven. My dwelling place also will be in, among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And you hear that constantly. It, Paul says that so it, in the same same verse. He says, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Mm. So they're constantly calling back to this like. Ezekiel 37, like Valley of Dry Bones, mm. coming to life. Um, Is that also similar to First Peter talking about being uh, like cornerstones or, or stones yeah, yeah. built, built awesome. upon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like He's the chief stones. cornerstone. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, well, there's so much to unpack for each verse here then. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Go through. Um, so buckle up, encounter listeners. <laughs> um, we're going to be going Rogan length. Um, so divided tongues as of one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak um, with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So I, I, whenever you hear, see the word tongues, it is worth doing a, a, at least a shallow dive to understand mm-hmm. what that means. Um, are they speaking in the, like a heavenly language? Are they speaking in a way that other people can understand, but they technically themselves don't? Um, I mean, regardless of what you know, what your belief is on the, on the different gifts even, and how they're practiced today. Like I, I can't find anybody that would be like, if God um, drops somebody in a tribe that he, I guarantee God would not use him to speak to those people. Like, what? like let's say like I'd put you in a, a place with, like I put you in Mexico, you don't speak okay. Spanish. Okay. Um, and God needed a message delivered to people and he gave you a tongue to speak to them, like to, okay. through in Spanish, you know? Um, I, I, even when you, if you ask anybody that question, they're like, yeah, God, God could do that and would do that. You know, so I think that's like a common ground where it's like, okay, so what, what, when you hear tongues, like, what are you talking about? When you follow the, the when you follow, fall on the one side of sign gifts or not, are we just talking about God allowing people to hear the gospel in a native language? Are you talking about a heavenly, t- that would need a, so like, um, one thing I know that, um, like Jordan Peterson always does when he gets in a debate is he makes them break down their own terms. Right. When he's talking oh, yeah. to somebody, it's like, what do you mean by that? Right. You know, what do you mean by patriarchy? Right. Like, and what does that look like to you? Yeah. And I think when you're talking to someone about tongues, to find the common ground is important. You know, maybe it's one of the common grounds is like, do you believe that God could use um, a, a native language to other people and speak through my mouth? Okay, so let's let's agree on that or disagree, mm-hmm. but let's break down the terms we're using here, because um, tongues would just mean foreign language at its core. Right, I mean, literally the next verse <laughs> says that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, but I mean, nobody nobody really argued this hap- This did or did not happen with the tongues. But mm-hmm. later, when you see it in Corinthians and, and you see Paul clarifying and talking about it, is he talking about another language, a heavenly language? Um, it's good to break down the terms. Right. Um, so, with, so continuing with the Mount Sinai reference, and this being the Mount Zion, um, I just learned, I had no idea about this, but... Um, <coughs> there was a rabbinic tradition, so in the Talmud and in the Mishnah, um, that the law on Mount Sinai, on the first Pentecost, Moses translated into the 70, 70 different languages of all the nations. 
that's in mm. that's in you know first century literature it's in rabbinic rabbinic literature it's and uh, so it's it's very interesting that the same would happen here whether that, and, you know that's not inspired or anything that's just yeah. rabbinic commentary on the old testament um so that when moses came down and gave the the what would be the torah he did it in all all, all the world's 70 languages okay yeah so. Which is interesting because the motive of the rabbis, the rabbinic interpretation of that, wouldn't be to make this make sense because they, you know, what I'm saying like that's not yeah, a self fulfilling prophecy, right, 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 exactly. Yeah, um, so yeah. yeah, just like well, this see, is what I'm saying. This wouldn't have that was before this would have been written. Yeah, that's yeah, it's okay. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. there's no motive to like make that fit. This, right, 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 exactly. Yeah, which makes sense. Like right. when you talk about Josephus and like early church history, he had no motive. He had no he motive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's th we find some of that in here actually when. They agree on certain when Peter's like giving a sermon, and they agree on certain things like this: this Jesus that you crucified, who did these miracles that you, we all know, like you know his resurrection that we all saw. Like so, he's meeting them on common ground. Like we may not agree on what power he got; he was able to do those miracles, but we all agree he did miracles. Mm. You guys know, you know the rumor that's taken all around Jerusalem right now. So it's like so. It's like cool to see that like even the enemies of Christ knew didn't, didn't deny he was around performing miracles. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah. All right, so um, the crowd's response, right? Is that where we are? Huh, yeah. Uh, well, verse 5, I think, yeah. Yeah, verse 5. Um, and then they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, uh, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, so there was a sound. The mm -hmm. wind did a, yeah. there was a sound. The, um, or they produced a sound as well. But um, the multitude came together, and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Right. Okay, so that's clarified. We got a little. We got a yeah. term clarified there. Um, the every nation under heaven is uh, again like four times in Ezekiel thirty-seven. He says, "Son of man, these bones are the entire house of Israel." And we see that kind of, he says it like four or five times, like mm. in Peter's sermon. He says it three times, like men of Israel, men of Israel, brethren, all these things. So he's like, "This is at one of the pilgrimage feasts." So everybody coming from all over. And is it in this? Is it no, in this? Is it two or? Yeah, two. Mm. Oh, I thought you were talking about verse five, talking about how they're Jews, devout men from every nation. Every, like, yeah, it, it, yeah. yeah it, it makes it specific yeah. that they're, yes, they're in Jerusalem, but they're from all over. Right. I feel like we've talked about this before, the gathering of the nations. The disciples had this question. I believe it's in John uh, John 12, I think. John fact checkers. Oh, jeez. Um, and... He, they're asking like, oh, is it for the Gentiles now? Because you have to like gather the nations. Right. And this is another one of those calling back. Like this oh, is where John, the nations yeah, are coming when, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. he, they ask him like, he says, I'm, where I'm going, you guys can't go. And he mm -hmm. goes, where's he going? Is he going to the lost tribes? Like, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what they're, yeah, referring to. But um, the, the complaint from these dry bones in Ezekiel 37 is our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Which would be cut off from the land, Ezekiel. You know, Ezekiel's vision is happening when he's in Babylon already. They're, he's they're, he's part of the exiles in Babylon, so to be cut off was to be cut off from the land. Um, so he's reuniting this thing. Yeah, yeah, it's another good parallel yeah. going all the way through, huh? Between Exodus and, and Ezekiel, it seems it fills in all the gaps. Yeah, um, they were all amazed and marvelled, saying to one another, "Look, are these not all um, who speak?" Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? Um, and so the just a you know, sidestep for that is the Galileans would would be the equivalent of country folk today. 
like with with uneducated speech. Yeah, like their mm-hmm. di- It's not not only would they not be able to speak another language well, they don't speak their own. They would drop like their hard <laughs> syllables. They would mm-hmm. they would mumble a little bit when they spoke. Yeah, their accents gave them away. Yeah, um, so they're looking at a bunch of um, people who would have not great perfect language in their own language, and now they're speaking other languages crazy well. So just another example of God using uh, like basically an empty vessel to be his, um, you know, at the forefront of what he requires in his mission. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? You guys can stop me at any point. Yeah. Uh, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those who dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya adjoining the Cyrene, um, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretan and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues and the wonderful works of God. So what they're speaking is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So at this point, they're not preaching. They're not giving a message. Correct? Uh, what, they're just not identifying the works one. of God. Yeah. You mean like praising almost? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm wondering if it's like, is it, a, is it just praising Yahweh or is it? Describing Jesus' ministry, I don't know. What, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, so the I, wonderful I, it, works that could be either one, I guess. Yeah. Works of God, I, don't, I guess. Yeah. So I guess it, at, I mean, at this point, though, when I, when I, you look at what Peter does in a minute, he takes an Old Testament scripture and he ties it in, yeah, and yeah. just I don't think there's a message being delivered here because when you see Peter, he delivers it in his language. Right. Like, he doesn't deliver it in in a language that's heard by everybody. So the tongue stops after they're done proclaiming the word of. Um, the works of God, which is important. So whatever that means, yeah. um, uh, whether that's just like, God, you are good. You are like Psalm almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't like new theology. Right. Um, no, no, no. I, I think you're going to bring this up, but the uh, the idea of listing all of the, the places, because yeah. it seems a little out of place. Yeah. Luke is a detailed writer, but this is like one spot. He's like extra specific about where everybody comes from. And mm. I... I didn't know in, until Joe brought it up. I think yesterday when we were talking, like why he he mentions those specific case. ones. You start working on Horizon. And then okay, these <laughs> conversations. Yeah, um, yeah. So Isaiah eleven eleven to thirteen. Then it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover with His hand the second time the remnant of His people who will remain from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the Ooh. sea, and He will lift up a flag for the nations and assemble the banished ones of Israel and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So what verse, where is that? Isaiah 11, 11 to 13. Um, I, I heard a guy, which I can't remember any, basically anything of what he was explaining, but it's like saying these are the same places. Just with different names. Yeah. Names have changed, yeah. over, you know, different empires rise and fall, but these are like the same locations. Um, implying that like Luke didn't just write this out of nowhere. It was, these were the lost tribes regathered, mm-hmm. um, and specifically yeah. mentioning the banished ones. Yeah, the banished and, ones. And like we were talking about, these were the ones that were coming back for the festival, right? Um, with just the verse, yeah. Luke says, "From every nation under heaven," and Isaiah says, "The four corners of the earth." Um, so, yeah, basically two similar phrases. Yeah. Think of them as, as the same. And their reaction is, they are full of wine, full of new wine. Yeah. So do you think the reaction was legitimate or do you think they were mocking right away? Do you think they're just like, are they are they drunk? Or are they more like, these losers are drunk? You know, like devaluing what they were what was happening. 
No, I mean, I don't know. I mean, imagine that today. Like if I – I don't know what that would look like today, but if you just – if you went to a remote place that only spoke one language with a group of people that spoke a bunch of different languages and then all of a sudden they could speak fluently in everyone else's language and, and they're proclaiming the works of God, hmm. I wouldn't say like – I wouldn't say they're drunk and, and mocking. I, it would be more be like a legitimate question like – like I would be like, what's what is happening? Like, well, I mean, because yeah. we get both. Because we get somewhere like, wait, what does this mean? And then somewhere it legitimately says others were mockingly saying like, oh, they're they're drunk. So it's like you get both. Where some people would be just very dismissive. Saying, yeah, oh, yeah, there's, there's literally no, it, yeah, there's yeah. literally no way they they got to be drunk, which doesn't make sense because your their drunkenness causes them to speak other languages yeah. that mm-hmm. other people are clearly hearing. Yeah, like they, yeah. It, it doesn't hold up, and I would. Saying like the the court of law, but the other people are like genuinely questioning and amazed. They're like, "Wait, what could this mean?" Mm. And I, I don't know. Maybe some of them are getting that like connection back to uh, Babel. Uh, maybe I, I I don't know how many would would pull it that fast. We talk about how the Jews are like very well versed in the Old Testament, and they'd have yeah, all the stuff like I, I at the forefront of their minds. But I don't know how many of them are like that's the first place that they go. Like, oh, people are like hearing mm-hmm. their own language. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, that's a good question. I mean, I, I know in like the the classic um, evangelistic church that the second coming of Christ we talk about it often, right? Mm-hmm. And and what that might look like. Um, I feel like that would be the same kind of thing. Like it's talked about, you know, in, in the way we've read the Bible. But like if it happened, like the witnesses popped up in Israel, you know, where and then we like would we notice it right away? Like if we just saw like Jesus coming on the clouds again, you know, in the same way he left, like would we under right away get it? Would we have a guess? Like is that CGI? You know, like would that be our our new? You know uh, what I'm saying? I, I, I don't know. I think there's a bigger question behind that. What? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to ask it. It's gonna. <coughs> That's the later thing. Okay. Um. So I don't really have a, like a, a crazy anecdote. I just what, what I picture for the scene, uh, like this is what I believe Jesus intended. Other than the unifying of language, that intended for the unity. Like um, Jesus said, he there will be someone who brings comfort, peace, and and unity when the Holy Spirit comes. Um, and then to have Peter be the person that does that is wild. Like. Mm-hmm. I can imagine, like, I could, I could almost like picture the movie now. You know, taking Peter from the chosen. I hope the chosen does this. I hope yes. so. I don't even care about the part that just. I don't care about the wind. Like, I don't care how they depict it with the fire. Yeah. Like, that'd be cool for. But like, you know, I've Jeez. seen enough. Marvel. They did the walking water very well. They did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, I, I don't know. I, I don't need. I don't really want an image for that because that'll, that'll be how I see it forever. Yeah, yeah. And sure, it's yeah. ambiguous enough to where I, I kind of just want to leave it there. But like Peter's sermon is what I want to see, where like everybody's panicking. They're like, I'm not sure everybody there even who who isn't dwelt by the Holy Spirit can even like fully explain what's happening mm-hmm. and they're being mocked and Peter I could imagine him just like standing up and be like like the dead silence yeah. and everybody looks at him because yeah. he was like the leader he was the one that closest to Jesus anyway and he gets up he's like ironically he's also the most divisive yeah do you know what I mean like the the one the boldest one a lot of times wrong and like causing division not bringing unity and yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I just, I don't know. I, I would love to be there for the moment that everybody realized that he was going to be the one to deliver this this speech, this first sermon. And they all kind of look at him and just like this hush falls and they're all just like, oh man, what's he going to say? And, and then Peter's like, I don't know yet. I'll let you know what happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And going back to like questions that we'll probably never be able to answer. But I wonder how many of Jesus's words, like upon this rock, I'll build my church. Like, I wonder how many of the thoughts are going like through his head of like, Jesus has been telling me yeah. to like, to feed the sheep yeah, and fast, everything. Yeah. And just like, and now he's like, I guess this, this is what it looks like. This yeah. is like the first. Do you love me feed my sheep? Do you love me feed mm-hmm. my sheep? Do you love me? Yeah. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a good point. This is the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yeah. It's like the same thing as somebody's asked, hey, quickly, just tell me like, I know the gospel, but you can't just like describe God the Father to me real quick. Yeah. Like in like two, in like 30 seconds. 30 like, seconds, yeah. It'd be tough. And for him, you know, having all this in his brain and and obviously this is, you can't argue the Holy Spirit's not inspiring this message. I mean, this is the yeah. Holy Spirit filled message from the start. Um, the first Holy Spirit filled message in the Bible. But I think it's important. We talk about this a lot, mm-hmm. like the, the importance of hiding uh, like the word in our hearts and the fact that the the early Jews would have like the Old Testament memorized and the fact that that is what the Holy Spirit is recalling to Peter's memory of all these verses and everything that he's learned through his whole life. And then the connections that he's making is like the extra, I don't want to say the extra inspired words, like the the, the way to connect it is his infilling. Filling? Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So if, 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 I mean, God used the, the, the Jews desire to know the word and fill the law as he chose those people to be the ones, you know, as 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 the, uh, the Jews to be the ones who would bring about the Messiah, not only bring him about, but crucify him. Uh, but then afterwards, you know, all the Christian Jews would be the ones that they had all the knowledge that the Holy Spirit is then going to connect, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 yeah. bring it to life, which is beautiful. You didn't realize that's what's happening. But like you're saying, if, if the Holy Spirit and dwelt, you know, if this were me, like, it would bring all ten passages that I know <laughs> by heart <laughs> yeah. um, to you know to a very muddy start <laughs> right. of the church. I would kind of I would try to do what like Peter, uh, Stephen did, where let's like, like recap everything. Yeah. He yeah, did overview. Yeah, 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 overview. overview. I'm not <laughs> quoting anything, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, Especially if you're talking like <laughs> Stephen's yeah. talking to religious leaders yeah. who would have had it like right, right. down pat. And he's like, oh, I don't want to misquote anything, so let's just but yeah, yeah. And I think they're they're Stephen's doing a different thing. Yeah, Peter's uh, literally like there's a miracle happening, and he's he needs the exact quote behind what's happening. Yeah, Stephen was like condemning, really. Why watch yeah. the, the, the Pharisees? We'll get to it in a couple chapters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's like Stephen's like, like on the first day God created this, and then some, some, some. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on day seven he rested. <laughs> That's funny. It's like the Spark Notes version. Um. All right. So Pete gives a sermon. And um, I, there, he he quotes three different passages, um, Joel and two separate Psalms, and um, he really has a heavy emphasis on David in the second two passages. And the first one it is uh, directly recalling uh, uh, Joel, um, which is um, pretty directly explaining what's happening on the day of Pentecost here um, at the pouring out of the Spirit in those days. And a couple, I think there's a couple highlights of Joel. Um, that stand out as the reason why this is what came to his brain. Um, but is anyone going to read uh, 14 to 21? 14. Um, okay. But Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. So that's the first time he's 
he's speaking to the whole house of Israel. Let this be known to you and heed my words. Um, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those last days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Then the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Adam's dying. You good? Yeah. All right, cool. First uh, notices. Um, the first notice is that he he like basically rebukes the people, whether they they spoke it out loud or not. There's enough of a murmuring that they're that they're drunk, and yeah. he's basically giving them logic. He's like. Right. Guys, it's like super early in the morning. <laughs> it's like nine o'clock. I don't think anybody here is drunk. Yeah. And then on top of that, I'm about to quote things to you and and connect things. So if you think I could do this drunk, like you got another thing coming. Like he's he's, he's right, about right, to just right. deliver right. logic to them. Yeah, and, and, and quoting. Yeah, so. it's nine o'clock in the morning. So well, thank you. Oh, um, drops. We were talking about how how early it was in the morning. 9 a.m. in the morning. So, they're the first service people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the, the, there's the yeah, 3 p.m. is the next prayer dot time. So, <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So I know what strikes you most about uh, Joel too. Yeah. So um, the two main things are: I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy, prophesy, um, which is just like what's happening, and then um, the. Verse 21 in both of my Bibles has um, an emphasis italicized on the last two lines. Um, that whoever, I don't know about you guys if you're looking at it now, but that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, that it's predicting that one day um, the Spirit will be poured out and whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be sa- shall be saved. And then uh, he, you know, I just have John um, 3 in my brain, but um, when, he, when he's talking to Nicodemus and isn't with... Um, when he talks about the serpent being on the staff, whoever looks at yeah. it. So, mm-hmm. so it's recalling, again, multiple things. Je- Jesus, who was just crucified, whoever calls on his name shall be saved. And then calling back to the shadow of that to happen was the lifting of serpent up in, right. in Numbers. Um, and that's what Joel's talking about here. So it's like a fourfold occurrence mm. um, that's um, – there's like a bunch of shadows being pulled out right now. Mm-hmm. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved – John three sixteen, um, the whosoever's you know as they're being brought out, making salvation generalized um, as he's talking to mostly Jews. Um, so like that just is a, a powerful verse to bring up, um, and f- I'm not sure if it's just like biblical text and, and why they all are emphasizing it, but even on on um, Acts two with the Bible gateway, it's emphasized like it's italicized that whoever that whoever calls on the number will be saved. It's it's it, Joel two still. It is still oh. Joel too. Whenever yeah, a word is italicized in New King James, it just means that word isn't necessarily directly translated. Uh, okay. So the that there isn't necessarily, and it does the same thing if you pull up the Joel two reference. The that is italicized, letting you know, and it shall come to pass. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. They're just making it more grammatically correct in English. So either way, it drew my attention to no, it. No, that's good. It's, <laughs> yeah. Um, good. Um, I didn't know that. And I was like, oh, dude, everywhere I look, I tell us that must be important. And then I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. um, 
but um, it does fit as a shadow and a type. Mm. So that's what I pulled out of that. But um, now with Ezekiel 37 and with Exodus, what, what other lenses? Oh, okay. No, yeah, I don't know how much we want to go into this, but he, he makes it, and Joel does too, important that uh, that the pouring out will happen in those those days, those last days, and the important like time signature of that, um, and an almost like seasonal moment, and like that this is, and and Peter's calling reference that this is now. The reason he's quoting it is because he's like, what's happening these last days? This in those days, that's what's happening before you guys. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, and he actually changes the words. Um. Joel says, and it shall come to pass after this, and then he goes in, um, and Peter says it shall come to pass in these last days. So, uh, to me, he's making a point. Um, I don't know. That seems pretty adamant. Intentional? <laughs> huh? Intentional? Yeah, it seems pretty intentional to me. Um, but I also, it's, it's, when he says um, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, I'm imagining... Peter doesn't really know the extent of that because he still has to argue with God with the sheets stripped down on that. Like he, he don't, he's not thinking Gentile still. Mm. Cause he's just thinking the remnant of right, Israel right. that's of coming Israel, back. Yeah. He's like, Oh, all people still right. means all of Israel, which is still the literal Israel. So that means all these people that just came back. Great. They can all have the spirit. Yeah. Whoever believes, whoever calls the name, mm -hmm. but not literally, he's not still thinking who actually, whoever, like just like in chapter one, they said like, is this going to be the restoration of the kingdom of Israel? Mm -hmm. And it is. But in a grander sense, he's forgetting that mission that Israel had to the world. Yeah. Um. So, for uh, the next quick section, I, I just read through verses twenty-two through twenty-eight. Men of Israel heard these words. You now addressing the men of Israel again, right? Mm -hmm. Another recall to mm -hmm. Isaiah and Isaiah. Yeah, all, all of them really. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you. So now he's hitting him with the you know hitting him with the the Jesus theology. Um, a man attested to you by God, um, by miracles, wonders, and signs, by which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered and um, by the determined purpose of the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and crucified <laughs> um, to be put to death. This is the crunch of his lot. Whom God raised up, um, having loosed the pain of death, um, because it is not possible that he should be held by it. Okay, so a lot in there, and a lot of Christology, and 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 um. So just before I read the, the passage, he's he's hitting on a couple of things here. He's hitting on the fact that um, Jesus used his miracles as signs and wonders mm -hmm. of his messiahship. And so we we went through this in, in John in this podcast. We went through like the seven signs um, of God. Um, it's important to know that as a framework for what the Spirit's going to be doing here. Like, who are the signs for? What, who was Jesus being, what, what were his miracles, who were the signs that Jesus um, was performing the miracles for? Who are they signs for? Um, like, the example I think of when I'm, uh, for signs is if I'm driving down the road, um, I don't expect my daughter in the back seat to need to know what the signs on the road mean yet. Like, she doesn't need to know that there's like, that means road work ahead. You know? Okay. Because those signs aren't for her. They're for me. So <laughs> for the signs that happen in in 
Acts, like who are the signs for? Who, when the Holy Spirit's in power and people are doing these miracles, um, the disciples, um, who, who are those signs for? That's an important question. You know, because I know for sure that Addison doesn't know what any of these signs mean besides stop. And she's literally facing the wrong direction. So <laughs> she's not going to help me at all, you know? Right. Um, so anyway, the, for David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand and I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh will also rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made me known or made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Right. What's our Old Testament backdrop for, for Psalm 110? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Did you, you okay? Yeah, I'm still... Uh, call, I'm call still drop hits hard. No, I'm, st I'm still back on... Um, Peter's like back. explanation. Like, I'm way back <clears> on <throat> verse 21. Yeah, hop back to 21. Um, so, okay, so a big thing... I forget what the term is called, and it's going to drive me nuts now, but... When a New Testament writer quotes the Old Testament, he's expecting you to know before and after, like the full know the full context of it. Okay. So he's quoting, so he quotes Joel two here, but he picks up Joel two twenty eight. Mm. Now, obviously, they don't have chapter numbers and or heading, you know. But so it's just the before and after. But not a Joel one. So he, but so he, the first part of Joel two is talking all about the destruction of Jerusalem. Okay. And it's written kind of like chronologically, almost backwards. But um, in Joel 2, 12 to 14, in the midst of describing the destruction of Jerusalem, he says, yet even now, declares the Lord. So this is the myth. He's talking about all the bad things that are going to happen to the city. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and mourning. And tear your heart and not merely your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and relenting of catastrophe. Who knows, he might turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, resulting in a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. So even in the midst of all the way up until the very end, God accepts repentance. And so when he's bringing up the, the latter part, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, which happens in these last days, they know like what was just before that. Mm. He's So I, they're thinking like, he's talking about this is this is it. This is the, dest the destruction of Jerusalem's coming. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? That was that was literally the context right before Joel two twenty eight. Yeah, and um, so he's saying, you know, then he starts talking about the Holy Spirit. Then he says, anyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. So, and Joel two before that talks about like, return to me with all your heart and with fasting. And so it's like the option for re repentance is always there. And then what's interesting is that he stops it, and it doesn't continue into the. And so, it, and it will come about that everyone. So when he says everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved, he stops it right there. But then right after mm -hmm. that is, and it will come about that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape, just as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. And that immediately reminded me of Matthew twenty-four, the Olivet Discourse, when they asked Run Jesus, the like, when are the, what is what is going to be the signs of these things coming? And then he says, those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get things out of his house. When you see armies and people surrounding the city, get out hmm. and pray that it's not on the Sabbath and, and, and get out. Just flee, right? Don't even gather your things. That sounds very similar to something else. Back in Exodus, and they had to get out. Like, yeah. Don't even go back and gather, like, get out. Like, this is like... like be ready to go. Be ready to go. Leave. Yeah. Mm. Um. 
So all that's kind of sandwiched in that Joel too, like before the before and after. He's talking about the destruction. So you're saying like Peter is it is basically expecting everybody around to, to know the before and know the after. Yeah, and there's a term for that where it's like they mm-hmm. they wouldn't know. I that. tried to look it up. I I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's so loud. <laughs> what is? It? Oh, I'm just chewing coffee. Yeah. <laughs> They're thinking we're mixing cement. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> hey, we're working here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then you hop down to verse 23. He says, Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Lawless hands being, do you know what that means? Lawless hands? Mm-hmm. Hmm. The Romans. Okay. Because the Jews said that they didn't kill him, basically. They, well, the Jews tried to— They needed Rome to, to be able to kill correct, him. Correct, that, that yeah. they weren't going to be the ones to physically kill him. I, I remember some of them even explained that, like, they weren't the ones that did it. It wasn't by our hands. It was the Romans that did it. Uh, so needing, like, a substitute, basically, to do it for them. Maybe, but when they're at the crucifixion, they're saying, let his yes, blood be on that's our what I'm hands saying. and on our children's to, hands. Yeah. To get there— they're like Rome has to do this thing, right? But then eventually, when mm-hmm. uh, then it's actually at Pon- is at least at Pontius Pilate. Yes, yeah, yeah. He's saying like his blood, he's innocent and everything. They're like, well, let his blood be upon us. And that's right, when they're right. finally taking like ownership. Um. Oh man, I have things to say about a lot of this, but uh, what are you looking at? It's the now? place, man. Is it the place? It's the place. Okay, so <laughs> okay, so. Again, like you, you've, you've read ahead, you've read the next couple ones. So people mm-hmm. like so, so he's constantly saying like, "This is the Jesus that you have crucified. You have crucified." He's constantly reminding them like, "You did." However, it's not too late. You can still repent, which is shocking because that's you know you actually kill the Messiah and you can still repent. But like, yeah. Um, but so the lawless hands is the Romans. They needed Rome to be able to do this. They used law, but lawless just meaning like not of the law, like not of Torah. You know what I mean? So. In Revelation 17, 3 to 6, And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold, precious stones and pearls, holding her hand in a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead, a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of witnesses of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered greatly. So he describes the woman with the priestly garment. Hmm. And on the, the thing on the head, now the all their allegiance to, is to, is to, is to mm. Rome. It's mm. not to God. The allegiance that they used to wear on their the gold on their, is to, because they... They are, are they're alluding to Rome to for for everything like they're you know like everything they do is through Rome and like even the the, the priesthood was so corrupt by that point they weren't even going by like genealogy they were going by like who could pay to get their way into the Levitical priesthood like it was just so corrupt, um, but uh and then seven, and then further down a couple of verses down Revelation seventeen sixteen to eighteen and the ten horns which you saw and the beast these will hate the prostitute. Um, and will make her desolate and naked, and will eat her flesh, and will burn her up with fire. God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. The woman you saw 
is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. And earlier he calls that great city the city mm. where – no, the city where our Lord was crucified. Oh, okay. So the woman, the whore on the back of the dragon, the beast, is from that great city. Prior he calls that great city the, where he, Jerusalem. Okay. Um, so it all ties together. So when when like you know, it's just all so it's also connected. So when he's so when Joel's quoting that part and the part before is talking about the destruction, the part after is talking about the destruction. And he's saying it's not too late to repent. Regardless, he he lets them rest assured, you guys have killed the Messiah. However, it's not too late to repent. That's and, why they're so adamant, they're like, What do we have to do to get saved? Like yeah. they know what's coming. Like they know that there's destruction. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, that's one thing I didn't ever consider reading this section is like the people that are there, like who the popul- who the population is. I mean, Jesus was crucified um, 40, 40, 50. 53 50. days oh, yeah, ago. 50. Yeah. Right? 50. 50. Yeah. When is this? Yeah. This is Pentecost, so 50. Yeah. Yeah. And then three days before that. No, no, no. no, no. Three right, days right, into right, the 50. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. part of the three. Um. Yeah, so they're obviously this is like not month. It's not even months. You yeah, know? this is like <laughs> well, a month, yeah, yeah, month, not month even and a half. Yeah, yeah. Um, or they're you know, so that that matters for who is there though, because these people are the ones who probably were there shouting and you know mm-hmm. throwing things in, who were recently before that with the palm leaves as he came in on a donkey. Like, right. people have this isn't a, a brand new fresh group of people that have never heard of the Messiah before. Right. Yeah, and they, you know, in the same way that. Jesus allowed Judas to stand by him this whole time. One of the parts of the sermon that hit me, the Black Friday sermon that the Village Church put out, um, my wife like loves a lot of the Village Church sermons. Okay. Um, they focus- that's, that's Matt Chandler. Matt Chandler yeah, Church, yeah. 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 Um, the, but they just focused heavily on like the pain that Jesus felt being betrayed by Judas. Oh, yeah, yeah, I watched it, yeah. And it was just, it's a heavy it's moment. Yeah, like, I, I never it. thought yeah. about um, what it would have been like to like, you know, imagine us sitting right here, like just knowing Cole's eventually going to steal my wife. I knew it's you know what I mean? Like nice. something terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and like, I know what's happening next week. And I'm like, dude, I love you right now anyway, you know? Um, and these and people- And then he does it. And then, and he then does you offer it. forgiveness. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, And yeah, all yeah. these people are Judas. Yeah. They all oh, backstab yeah. them at the very end. Yeah. They all, you know, basically, you know, spiritually cheated on him. Mm-hmm. And then um, like not that long after, he's like, yeah, this grace is for you too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and even outside of that, I know uh, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't get any ideas, by the way. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Okay. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, All right. Is he just going to forgive me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the fact that Peter is also offering it. Like, Peter's giving this message to the very people that killed his Messiah that, like, yes, he, he denied uh, in front of the, some of these people. But, like, at the same time, these are the people that handed Jesus over to the Romans and everything. And he's just like... I, I, it's almost like a sense of I forgive you as well. Like I'm giving this this message, but at the same time, like it's for you. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah he's trying to. His heart's there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he 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 may well. He's these are probably some of the same people that he saw like take him and yeah. and mm-hmm. the trial and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, they're the prodigal. Yeah. Um, we skipped over this in the beginning. My, the John part. I'm just gonna read this one part only because I mentioned. I don't want anybody to think this is like crazy, but, but like uh. We skipped over the John one through five and how he's setting up the second Exodus and blah blah. blah. So so the water and the wine with the he changes the water into wine at the wedding at Cana. Mm-hmm. Which by the way, if you guys want to hear a great uh, sermon on that, yeah. Calvary Chapel Hamilton, uh, <laughs> <laughs> April nineteenth. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I'm thinking I'm like, dude, where? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so Jesus turns the water into wine. Isaiah 1, 21 to 22. The, how the faithful city has become a harlot. It was full of justice. Righteous lodged in it, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your wine mixed with water. So a part of is, Israel's curse was that their water would be diluted. Jesus is reversing the curse. Mm. Bringing, what, making the water into wine. Um, but this faithful city has become a harlot. Jeremiah calls her a harlot. Amos calls her a har- Jerusalem a harlot. And, and there's also yeah. the imagery with Hosea taking. I mean, Hosea. That's what I meant. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna I mean, say. I, I was like, Amos, I don't know about Hosea. Amos, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was like, I know. I get mixed up all the time too. I get it, guys. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. <laughs> um. So yeah, it, I mean, it, it. I don't know. It's a lot. Yeah, and we could come back to this just like John in like a week or a month and six months and find completely new revelations about mm-hmm. about everything, which is wild. Um, a 40-page document. <laughs> um, so we that was just verse 21. Did we did we touch uh, the, the psalm? Did they yet? No, good. <laughs> um, what, what, so, what was that? So, what verse is that? Uh, so we read it, 22 to 28. So we read it and then didn't talk about it at all. Um, so just to recap the, the scripture for the psalm, is, I saw, uh, foresaw the Lord before my face, for he's at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced, my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, for you will, um, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. And so this next, so I think it's worth to keep going though, because the next mm-hmm. few verses explain the yeah, purpose yeah, of bringing the psalm up. So it says, men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David. Um, so again, uh, just in a bold way to phrase things, like mm-hmm. men and brethren, you know, the patriarchs, they think of, let me speak to you about David. You know, but, like, yeah, I like how he's also like finding like common ground. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. brothers, like listen, we all agree on David. And he's, but you're yeah, right. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah. And then he's like, and he's dead. Yeah. Um, and that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him um, that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. And he, foreseeing this, um, this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did he, his fleshy corruption. So it says, uh, uh, we talked about this um, one of our first like book reviews we did with... Um, I should remember anything about it as I talk about it, but the the, the detective um, who went and investigated oh, the case Christianity. Cold case, when he talks about like the evidence of the res- of resurrection yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and how important that was to the disciples and how mm-hmm. they reference it so many times for like um, in the in the the court of law the resurrection would be counted as fact mm-hmm. with the amount of witnesses the amount of people yeah, the yeah, amount yeah. of um, so they're resting us like you know David's dead and we can see his tomb. Mm-hmm. But Jesus walked with us. So that is the evidence of the resurrection of Christ. And that's important. Um, that This Jesus has been raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Like all the phrasing is like, we know this to be true. Yeah. It's not hinted at. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, flavor. Um, it is fact. Therefore, being exalted, because he's the spirit of truth, um, to the right hand of God, um, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out um, this which we now see and hear. Uh, I, I think I brought this up Tuesday that this is like the first time they're actually being witnesses and proclaiming to witness the Christ be risen mm-hmm. to like to any other person. Yeah. So this is like the first gospel message and the first like time that they're they're saying, oh, no, no, I'm an eyewitness. And yeah, I probably could be killed if you guys don't believe me. But like, 
I'm an eyewitness, I'm bearing witness, and what was it that you needed like two witnesses to account yeah. something mm-hmm. is true? You got 120 some people mm-hmm. sitting there, so it's like, yeah, that's, that's probably, yeah, probably. Happening. But I like how he's attesting, like, he's not trying to prove the resurrection, he's speaking as like, it is, no, this guy resurrected, yeah, and that's why, he, like, you know, he's like talking back to David, is like, David's tomb's still here, you know, this guy resurrected, David prophesied about a resurrection. What are you missing? Like it's yeah. like you know, it's like it's just like appealing to him through like logic. Like David couldn't have been talking about himself because we see his tomb. So who was he talking about then? And he's like, it's like a linear. Yeah, equation. exactly. A plus B equals C. What, why? Yeah. How you guys not landed on C? Like it's yeah. like. Um, so for David did not ascend into heaven, but he said, just arrived with David. The Lord said to my there's a third passage. For the Lord said to my Lord, said in my right hand, shall I make your enemies a footstool? Hmm. Um, and then he addresses the house of Israel again, and then you know we, we wrap up. Um, before that, but um, for these three passages, you know, do we see any like overall? Wait, wait, are you talking about the Psalms or? Yeah, well, no, the all three of the Old Testament passages: Joel, Psalm, Psalm. What he hits. Um, is there any like overarching? I mean, we can. The overarching theme would just be he's talking one. It's just showing the Old Testament prophecies, and he's meeting them where they are. But is there any like relation between all three of them? I don't have an answer I, that that you guys see mm. for like why those three, as they relate to each other, or are they just three different points using scripture to support? Like, first one would just be this is the prophecy that foretold this. He's better than David, making the Hebrews point. Like, yeah, I I, I would imagine he's appealing to just the, the different. So he, um. If you're looking at like the Tanakh, he's appealing to the writings. He already appealed to the prophets. Um, and I don't. Does he make an appeal to the Torah? Um. Well, this whole thing is the appeal. It's all Pentecost, but um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's just grabbing from different parts. You know what I mean? Like uh, like maybe you guys disagree on this prophecy. Well, here's David. Like you know what I mean? Like here's a different. I yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I, just, I, I didn't know if you saw any immediate no, like kind of continuing theme where he builds. Well, to be honest, I didn't. I didn't go back and read. That's what, like you're supposed to go back and read the full, the full psalms. Thing. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if the psalms um, talk about because Joel is talking about the destruction of Israel. Yeah. I don't think the psalm. I don't know. I mean, I think these are just like written by David. So he went through like David yeah. said this would come. I don't. I think the psalms are a pretty. Are they, I mean. This is probably the end of that psalm. I mean, there's not that. Many, there's not a lot of context for any of the psalms. Um, you know? it, co- it does go on quite a bit longer. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So I'll make your enemies your footstool, and the Lord shall uh, send the rod, your strength, out of Zion to rule out the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers, and in that day, your power uh, of your power, and in the beauties and holiness from the womb, from the morning, uh, you shall have the dew in your youth. The Lord has sworn. Uh, and will not relent. You will be a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Oh, that's huge. Uh, the Lord is at your right hand, and he shall uh, execute kings in the days of his wrath. He shall oh, judge so yeah. among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads oh, of geez, many countries, yeah. and he shall drink <laughs> like the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he shall lift up the head. Nice job, Jamie. Yeah. You're welcome. It's Psalms 110, by the way. So, yeah. In Melchizedek's, um, I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. Is it in, is it in two? Uh, 110, one, that was 110, right? Yeah, that was 110, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think it's just in 110. Just one? Yeah. Um, okay, so this is going to go back to kind of what you said earlier, which I was going to shelf until after the podcast, but you said this is the place, so we're going to talk about it. Okay, um, 
So you ticked me off three weeks ago. And it's just oh, no. it's some deep personal thing. <laughs> yeah, no, verse 33. Uh, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Um. Okay. I kept... Okay, so right... Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God. Daniel 7, 13 to 14. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming up, and he came up to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, honor, and a kingdom, so that all peoples, nations, and populations of all languages might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So... When the one of one like the Son of Man is coming on the clouds, it's coming up, not down. Okay. So that's calling back to Acts one, is what you're saying? When Jesus yeah. is lifted yeah. up into mm-hmm. So when it, when it, yeah, so when he says he'll he'll come just, just while you guys gazing up into heaven, in the same way that you saw him go up into heaven, he'll come in like manner. So it's like, okay, well what does in like manner mean? Hmm. That's that. What? How you answer that is the difference between a lot of theologies. Okay. So we don't have to go into it, but that's just how you answer that. Cool. That was a the, based off the comment about like us looking further aside, coming back on the clouds. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. But that coming on the clouds imagery comes from Daniel. Um, yes. Yeah. More like a son of man yeah. was coming on the clouds. He yeah. So I, I, I was to the ancient of days. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was listening for your reference. I like the yeah. like music when I was reading Acts one. This is the only reference they can find that remotely describes um, like an ascension in the clouds is Daniel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. um, that they're like it might be a reach, but that is like a connection. Only time we can find one of Daniel's yeah. dreams even remotely connected to that. So. Um. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So. Um, after this, and this is where we get to the application, guys. So this is like, I, I think some application. Um, after that, he says, um, I think, can we go to, he says, repent and be baptized. In the name of Jesus, for mission of sins, you shall receive the Holy Spirit. Um, so the in order to um, receive the Holy Spirit, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Um, as many as our Lord will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted being saved from this perverse generation. So there's a reason for calling them perverse generation. And then those who would gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So if you're looking for like a recipe for like what a, a pastor would love to see in their local town, you know, it'd be nice to be like, all right, I'm going to start a church. Let's get 3,000 today, you know. It's, yeah. It'd be pretty sick. Um, and they continue. And by the way, I don't mean recipe as we decide when it happens, this kind of revival, um, mm-hmm. because this was a one-time, it's a unique atypical event, the, the Holy Spirit coming like this. Um, but... It's also worth noting, and every pastor, when I heard, um, when I read their commentary, listened to a sermon on on these two chapters, is like God chose when the Holy Spirit came; it was not summoned, um, which is important for how you know the Holy Spirit works. Right. It is by the will of the Father that the Holy Spirit is sent um, and commissioned. So anyway, it's important. Um, then, f- and then continue steadfastly in the apostles and doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayers. So the, mar- the the early church was marked by doctrine, fellowship, bread, and prayers. It sounds like a like a nice evening. Um, and then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And we went over the office of the apostleship last week um, in Acts, like what that looked like, how it was defined, how the disciples chose. 
Now all who believed were together and all had things in common and sold their possessions, goods, and divided them among all who has any need. Um, and just to wrap up, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about this, but to wrap up the reading of the scripture we're using today, it says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate um, their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So beautiful picture then of, of this is this is what Peter said, cut them to the heart. Their reaction was um, to repent and be baptized, to call on the name of the Lord. And um, I'm, I'm going to be like the Sparkdose version, and you can go to the next deep level okay. in a second. But uh, the beautiful part of this, and we see this all the way throughout Acts, is in the same way Peter is saying, all right, what, what's my first sermon going to be about? Um, he looks backwards um, and adds the new um, covenant to his backwards understanding of the Bible. But when the first church just needed to know what to do, they looked backwards. What do we need to do? Um, well, the Israel was a united nation. We need to fellowship. We need to talk. We need to learn and understand. What do we need? Then we need doctrine. We need to understand the scriptures. What do we need to do? I mean, bread is a giant theme in the Old Testament, and also just we need to eat together, um, and they need to be praying together. So none of those things, and I, I empathize with um, Ben Shapiro's interviewed three different main evangelical people on his pod, on his um, thing. And he asked the same question to each of them. And he, and he asked it to MacArthur. He asked it to, I forget, uh, William something. William Lane Craig. Um, he asked them the same Who's question. The third was, guy? I'm not sure. But I remember uh, okay. it, was, it, was, it was the third. Yeah. yeah. Um, he asked them, um, what does the New Testament morally have to offer that the Old Testament doesn't? Because I guess he often feels condescended to by Christians. Mm-hmm. And we're like, you know, Christians can live a better, more moral life because we have the full thing. And he's like, well, what is in the New Testament? And I haven't, like, Christians don't really give a good answer other than, like, universal salvation. Like, that's, but in terms of, like, almost all the tenets of the faith are kind of covered. Like, we're, when we're talking about, I know it's like a dicey thing that we have to explain that, but, like, we're talking about every time Jesus wants to um, teach, he quotes you know, so like the full understanding of what was going to happen was present. Mm-hmm. It just the lens of understanding came from Christ explaining it in the New Testament and Paul and um, explaining it and applying it. So I, I kind of get his question. I mean, because you can you can pretty much, besides the law, which was was just filled, the morality of the law can be is is found repeated in the New Testament. So it's like if it's all it's doing is repeating, then why can't I just use this? And the answer is you need a Messiah, but. Um, in terms of moral living, it's the same, you know. Um, so when we see the the church like constantly, or what do we need to do? Like look back. What do we need to do? We need to pray. We need to gather. We need to eat. Um, and then um, just like the, the Israel, the, when how they worked together was they took care of their own. They sold their possessions and they divided them. And as anyone had their need. So anyway, that's just my observation of that. I I think. Uh, it really does come down to verse 42 and then also, is that 46 to 47? Uh, which you, which you kind of touched on them. So it's starting at 42, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayer. So that's like one part of it, and I feel like it, it describes it more down in 46, but the first part of that is they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So the apostles were the ones that had lived with Christ, had heard his teaching, and were now f- filled with the Holy Spirit, as were these other believers, but now they're teaching. And I 
I think part of it is important that we get a one-on-one teaching and a, a deep teaching. Like the, yes, there's always, we talk about the milk and meat of the word, but there should be an ever present uh, emphasis on growing deeper mm. and getting like the meaning of what the apostles doctrine was mm. because it had to be taught. So it's not something yeah. that you're just going to, uh, Joe and I had this conversation uh, that I don't think you can just look at the Bible and then immediately well, ask him. Ask him what you asked. Okay. Me. Do you think? Um, oh, what was no. it? How did how did it? How did I phrase it? Uh, do you think you can just read the Bible and understand it without any other commentary context and like get exactly what it means out of it? So cover to cover. Cover to cover. That's a good question. Like you, I think you, you can you understand now have the, I, the so old I, and new. What it means, I think you can understand the, the Jesus. They can understand the gospel. Okay. Um, but to understand all the, the parts of it, like I would just be confused multiple times on like when it changes from like a poem and a psalm to like a story and then you're getting historical accounts. Like all that would confuse me and I wouldn't know what to take literally and what not to. I, I think, think that would be the main problem. Yeah, I think that's the conclusion we came to, the fact that it is different literature throughout. The apocalyptic literature, the, the, um, the psalms and the proverbs and like – and some historical context. So there's a lot of things going on in there, and you can't read each one the same way because then yeah. you will be confused on, on how to interpret it. And I think outside of knowing the cultural context of everything, that would be the main problem. Mm-hmm. It would just be like trying to understand how to read what because um, you can't read a poem the same way you read Luke. You know? Which I think... Hmm, we... <laughs> Uh, we've talked recently about how, like, we want to try to get away from, like, s- some commentaries and relying on commentaries, which I agree with when you're relying on somebody's idea of the interpretation of what something means. What I don't agree with is I think we do need commentaries on teaching you how Jewish literature was written, what, like, the writers was uh, were, were writing about in the time period, because all that historical and cultural context behind it helps you understand what's happening in the midst of it. Mm. And some of those like phrases and stuff that would come out of it, like the Jewish idioms that are in here, that's just, you would not get them because I don't speak Hebrew or Greek and I'm not going to understand them right away. And the initial uh, translators into English, uh, the King James, like that's, they did their best job. That doesn't mean that it was the exact translation. They were even uh, far removed from the first century Christians. Yeah, I I think... um Yes, I'm very pro commentary. I just because I think that if any of these people that were there had access to seven different people's like interpretation of scripture, they'd be reading it. Like I, I think that this is a gift that we have. Say that again. Sorry. If the, the people like anybody in the Bible had access to the information we've had, they would have used it. Well, they um, did. Well, not not to the New Testament, but they did. They yeah. had. That's what the Talmud and the Mishnah were. They. Yeah, what started going south is when they started holding, holding that, that mm-hmm. and the different contradictory opinions as scripture. But I'm just saying that was only those were like those were the main ones they had to rely on. I'm saying if they had access to 30 different oh you mean like, the, like Google and, yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah, if they had the yeah. Blue Letter Bible and they could yeah, open up yeah, a yeah, second, yeah, yeah, yeah. like they would use it. The commentaries right. are, are amazing, huge blessing we have. Um, I think the danger would be that yeah. elevating yeah. one over the word. Yeah. So you say you like McCarthy, like Cusick, like if you decide that that, is, you know, what he says is right, then you're in sin. Mm. Um, 
and you're going to you're going to be following a man instead of Jesus, because mm-hmm. eventually you're going to only get one man's understanding of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think you brought up you brought up the the Brian Church and the fact that you can read somebody else's writing, but the what we should be comparing it to is Scripture and what it says. Right. And if it if it's wrong, then you can throw what they say out versus you can't throw out what the Bible says. And I, I still I still stand by you know, like the first time you read something, you should read the full passage in context with that book before you resort to anything else. Yes. Yeah. So like I that you should not stop there for sure. Because like but like we talked about this multiple times, but I just reiterate like when I my my best practice for reading is if I'm teaching a chapter of a book, I have to read the whole book like first. And then you isolate that chapter, you find it in kind of like the, the narrative of the whole book. And then as you read, if you don't understand something, circle it. Ask questions. And then like later mm-hmm. come back to have all those questions answered. And that's where commentaries can come in. Uh, but to to say that that's enough is falling short. And to say that's not where you should start is falling short as well. Like you have yeah. to interact with the Bible um, on a one-on-one basis first. Um, like that's... The only thing I would say for me that I, I I fall away from that a little bit is I do need to know like who wrote it and who it was written to before I read it. Mm-hmm. Like I just I've been reading through Isaiah like halfway through now, and like I needed to know who wrote it, like and what time what was the timetable in which like was yeah. was at, was it in exile at the time you know where was Israel? who were the contemporaries yeah. Who was who's, the king? Who's the king? The, yeah, yeah. Well, and and that that is almost if I don't know that I I am completely lost in throughout the whole thing, and there's not I'm not getting anything out of reading it, um, so I need to have the context of like when who what when, like before I go in, and I don't think that's wrong because it's, it's not telling me no. any like man made it's not making me interpret scripture poorly, it's just. I'm sure that even the yeah, I'm sure everybody else who read that would have been just been immersed in scripture enough to know that before they started reading anyway. I have a lot of off air questions. What's that? Oh, okay. I said I have a lot of off air questions. Okay. Yeah. But on top but, of what you're saying, like that, I, I'm sure briefs. the kids. Yeah. Briefs. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure the kids are annoyed of it, but when we teach TNT, that's literally we go through those questions now: who, what, where, when, why, how. Sometimes we don't reach all of them because there isn't a direct consensus of like when this book was exactly written but we try to give like a general idea of what's happening so when we're memorizing this verse we're like okay what's the context behind of what you're memorizing and why are you memorizing this verse mm. it's yeah. important yeah it's good it is i mean yeah we're literally just talking about describing biblical hermeneutics <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah context context is yeah key but the 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 second point behind that is that 26 and 27, which we talk about, like the the breaking bread together in, in house to house and they ate food. But the part I feel like we kind of like skip behind or skip over is the with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having faith with all people. Like that little section there is so important that I say this all the time. I feel like Christians are the most miserable people and that we sometimes want the most that, that we, uh, we talked about this on Tuesday, like, oh, they had like simpler lives back then. But at the same time, I feel like we do the same thing. We overcomplicate our lives and try to like add all these things and do all these certain things when the simplicity of the gospel should be the simplicity of our lives. Yeah. And like how we live it out and like just being like glad, eating food with people and praising God, that is enough to make you different from a lot of people. Trust me. But there should be other things like James calls out like the, the working out of your faith. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they had favor, favor with all people, the fact that they were like reasonable to be around. And that's like, 
that can be like a very th- those like that third uh, what forty six to forty seven is a good place to start. If you can do those things, you're on like a good track. I think mm. for like a good Christian body. And I think the reason for the lack of joy or the lack of it, a lot of it ties into what you talked about last night. And Ooh, spoilers. At, at some point in your walk, you're you're not dealing with grace correctly. Either you're taking advantage of it, or you're not living in it, and you're still under this old covenant of death. And you feel like you got to work to like, and that's where the jo- you're fighting with. Like, you, you feel like you're not doing enough, or you got you could be doing more. I fall guilty of this all the time. Like, I can't watch a TV show because I mean I could be reading something right now. Like, you know what I mean? It's like it's all it's he worked it's he worked it out. It's it's fun, you know. Like, yeah. Yeah, whether you read or not, he 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 does it. He did it, not you. So, so it's like, hmm. um, you know. So it's like you, you're, but that's that's that old covenant coming in, and that you got to like work your way into something, or 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 maybe it's just. I want to know or need to know, but like it, it, we're not handling grace correctly. Yeah, and good way to put it. Phrase, yeah, that's where the lack of joy comes. And I, I mean, two weeks ago in, in John two, like the fact that the disciples were invited to the wedding, like does say something about their state of joy. You know, and they had every reason to not be joyous. Like, the reasons why I think I should feel joy, none of them had them. Like. I know that Jesus provides joy, so I know it's a source of joy. But I'm saying that the reasons why on a daily basis my joy is robbed, like my air conditioner breaks, like, you know, like um, my, you know, people around me are annoying. Um, you know, I run, I hit a pole, wah, wah, you know, you know just a random reference. Um, <laughs> like the things that would take joy away from me, they all had those reasons to not feel joy, and yet they're still being invited to a, you know, a wedding, yeah. which would be a joyous occasion. So they're, we're saw as joyous people. Um, you're seen as joy, joyous people. I do. I do think that the 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 more poor, the more poorly you handle poorer, the more poorlier you handle grace. Um, the less attractive the Christianity becomes to other people. Like I think of the least attractive. Um, so I worked with a a person, a, a teacher who I'm trying to make everything ambiguous sounding, um, who went to a church that was basically very uh, poorly handled grace. Um, they didn't apply it to anybody, and it was very legalistic, and um, like felt that they couldn't go to church anymore because of music they listened to, and um, they 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 saw like elder brothers everywhere, you know, from the prodigal story, like everywhere they went, um, it was just perfect refined versions of every Christian, and they didn't fit in, and um, and to this day, like her and her like fiance just reject church, and um, like I I think that all of the aura that's put out by local bodies of, of believers um, that turns people away is just people who are poorly handling grace, like your phrase you're saying. Like, uh, what's attractive is a bunch of prodigals that have returned. Like, that's attractive. Because mm-hmm. they're celebrating the feast. Like, he's getting lit in that feast, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's in there eating turkey mm-hmm. and whatever, the fatted calf. Like, he's eating prime yeah. rib. Yeah. And he's chilling and, like, so happy. Titter's stripping down his face. Like, my father let me back in. Like, that's a that's a joy-filled person right there mm-hmm. who's recognized their depravity and is filled again. It's the, the, the person whose joy is sucked out of their life is the person who hasn't received grace mm-hmm. because they don't think they need it. I, th- I think that's directly applied. Number one, that we shouldn't... Uh, uh, you're, you're saying the church, and I think we got to make sure that we're... we're uh, I, I clarified distill- local church. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I make sure that we distill that all the way down to we are the individual people, our church. Like, mm-hmm. And as you are in the the your surrounding areas, that you are the um, the light of Christ. And that that actually does have an effect. I just... Uh, I'm not going to call him out by name, but we had somebody in our church like that just was 
genuinely nice to somebody, like their employee, and then they they started coming out. And just the fact that they were different and didn't treat them as a horrible human being and that knew that there was grace for them in their life and just loved on them was enough for that person to be like, I want to know what you have. And it's like intriguing enough. And I think that's that part of that verse. Like you're praising God, you have, they have gladness, they're simplicity, and they have favor with people. That It's like a, it's a little equation. It's a little math equation. And I like Pastor Ed, I don't know if you heard him say on Sunday that um, – we always and we said it on Tuesday a few times, and I think it's part of the truth, but not the full truth. That sometimes you'll be the only Bible that people ever read, mm-hmm. and he's like, "That's not true. You aren't the Bible people read because you, unless you say the gospel, you have not delivered the gospel to them. Mm-hmm. Like you are not the living gospel. The gospel has to be stated. Mm-hmm. So it's like a cop out for if I live well, people will just come to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a cop out for an apathetic lifestyle where you're not sold out for for God. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that the joy that you get from the Lord should provoke people to ask for the reason to hope is in you. Mm-hmm. Back you know, to so that first part Peter of it. Five, yeah. yeah, if you don't have joy, no one's going to give a two craps about what God you serve. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I I will give a I was telling Cole about this, and I, I I'll say him by name, but a student in um, FCA at the, at the high school I, I work at is just like openly evangelistic in the school. Like he has conversations with everybody he can to just tell them about the gospel. Like most pure evangelism I've seen in a while. Okay. And he'll be in history class. I'm like, do you know Jesus? And he'll say it real loud. So everybody looks and it's like, the, you know, to the point where it's embarrassing and stuff for him, you know? And right. he just, he's like, I don't care. Well, and it's been like kind of motivating, you know? Um, and um, we had like the, the worship after school yeah, yesterday yeah, yeah. and he brought about two or three new kids out and I didn't know who they were at all. And they're, they're all awful, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and I, I, you know, we finished, prayed, left, and then I went home and today he came up to me, he's all excited. And he's like, but I'm like, I got to, I, we led a kid to Christ after you left yesterday. Like he came out and then we were all sitting at the table waiting for our rides and you walked away. And I was like, he said, do you know Jesus? And the kid was like, no. He's like, do you want to? And he's like, yeah, I'd love to meet Jesus. What do I have to do? And he just was like, this is who he is. And he professes and the kid's like, I'm coming to your church. So he's like going to his youth group. And like, he just was, all he had to do was just, he's happy. And he was like talking to a kid that right, right. didn't have anywhere to go that day. And he, you know, led him to Christ, and now he's going to be plugged into his youth group. And I don't know. I just was like that. That, that kid has joy, right? His name's Isaiah. And um, there you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just a, a neat calling out to what you're saying, where like he didn't have a lot of ingredients involved. He didn't have all apologetics nailed down. Right. It was just like, hey, I'm I'm willing to be bold enough to ask you. And I generally am a happy kid, so people don't think I follow like you know a boring God. Mm. Yeah, and I think those those points like apologetics and like studying scripture, it is trust me, it's very important to like it's to know tool. your scripture. It is, yeah, but it is just one tool. And if uh, yeah, I believe it is Paul talking about in is it Colossians? If you're just if you don't have love, you're just clanging symbols. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus even talks about it. I believe it's John 14. I'm throwing out a lot of references. Uh, people are about to fact check me on all these. The that the people would know the disciples by their love for one another, and the that should start the fact that God loves you. It goes out. You love the people around you, your your brothers and sisters, the people you're discipling, the people you're being discipled by, and then it should just flow over from there. Yeah. yeah. That's the only thing that we're, we're different in, in the other, the hope and security of, of Christ. But I'm saying like the, the love. Yeah.
What was the most significant trouble you got into in high school? I pulled up this list of questions just to shock, you know, just to like divert from. <laughs> I got, in school, what happened? Like It was out of school. Okay. I got arrested for stealing street signs. <laughs> what? <coughs> what? Yeah. What were on the signs? Uh, the political signs. Mm. Gotcha. That's awesome. Yeah. You want to know mine in comparison to yours? It's so, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> okay. Wait, what's, it's what's, just what's kind the of question? Cool. What was it? I missed out. He took my cell phone. <laughs> I literally got detention <laughs> once. And it was so embarrassing. Like I, I was like texting unto teacher because they asked me a question. And another teacher followed me in the bathroom and I took my phone while I was in the bathroom. And I got detention. That's the, that's the worst thing I that's the worst trouble I got into. <laughs> okay. How about you, Cole? What would your mom do to you? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I like it blurs the line between like being disciplined just in home and like yeah, in school. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like I don't I don't know, I'm sure I'd, I'd beat up one of my brothers or like Yeah, okay. I've okay. seen your brothers, they're huge. Yeah, we'll just kidding. No, no. <laughs> um all right. So sorry. I just was a question to ask. <laughs> yeah. Um so <laughs> As we wrap up, um, Acts uh, Acts two. Uh, we did. We hit on any of the things you wanted to hit on at the end here um, for the end of Acts two. Um, so we're talking about the breaking of bread, adding the three thousand, um, um, the, the the perverse generation. And you had a comment on that on Tuesday. Yeah, that's a big thing. I was going. I was going to talk about, but we don't have to. No, you're talking. About. Okay. <clears throat> Verse 40, Acts 2, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Um, so perverse generation is uniquely a callback to Deuteronomy 32. And it's not just Peter says it, Paul says it, Jesus says it, John the Baptist says it. Um, they're all calling that generation a perverse generation. Um, so in Deuteronomy 31, and 30, Deuteronomy 31, Moses prophesies about the falling away of Israel. And then in Deuteronomy 32, Deuteronomy 31, he prophesies about the falling away of Israel. Deuteronomy 32, he sings the Song of Moses. Okay. And the Song of Moses is where he finds the perverse generation. And it's talking about the destruction. But um, we were talking about signs earlier. Matthew 12, 39, an evil and perverse generation craves a sign. And so no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was in the stomach of the fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Matthew 16, an evil and adulterous generation wants a sign, and so a sign will not be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Matthew 17, um, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Um, Philippians 2, 14 to 16, do all things without complaining or arguments, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, hold, holding firmly the word of life, so that one set on the day of Messiah I can take pride because I did not run in vain, I, I did not run in vain nor labor in vain. So that comes from the Song of Moses. Um, before going into the promised land, the Lord speaks to Moses and tells him to warn Israel. So again, this this is the shadow of the things to come, or prophecy of the things to come. So uh, there's some big, important things that, that, that I'll emphasize. So in Deut Deuteronomy 31, 16 to 21, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers, and this people will arise and play the prostitute 
with the foreign gods of the land into the midst of which they are going, and they will abandon me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them on that day, and I will abandon them and hide my face from them, and they will be consumed, and many evils and troubles will find them, so that they will say on that day, Is it not because our God is not among us that these evils have found us? But I will assuredly hide my face on that day because of all the evil that they have done, for for they will have turned away to other gods. Now then, write this song for yourselves and teach it to the sons of Israel. Put it on their lips so that this song may be a witness for me against the sons of Israel. For when I bring them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to their fathers, and they eat and are satisfied and become prosperous, then they will turn to other gods and serve them and spurn me and break me and my covenant. Then it will come about when many evils and troubles find them that this song will testify before them as a witness. So, this song was intended to witness to them. And it, that was just Deuteronomy 31. He's telling, them, he's telling Moses to sing this song. Mm. Like, this song is going to be a test, testimony to them. And perverse generation comes from that song. So just a couple, couple verses from... Good. So that's the, the introduction of this song. Yeah, we haven't actually gotten Deuteronomy to the 30, okay. We haven't gotten to the song yet. That's okay. Deuteronomy 31 telling Moses, this generation is going to suck. Sing this song to them as a testimony to them. So they all know this. I mean, this is, this is the first five books of the... This is Torah Torah. Right, um, so so here's we're in the song now. I'm gonna pick out certain parts that are huge. The Rock, Christ, uh, His work is perfect. For all His ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and just is He. They have acted corruptly against Him. They are not His children because of their defect, but are a perverse and crooked generation. Is this what you do to the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Is He not your Father who has purchased you? He has made you and established you. Later down. You have become fat, thick, and obstinate. Then he abandoned God. Then he abandoned the God who made him and rejected the rock of his salvation. They made him jealous with strange gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons who were not God, to gods whom they have not known, new gods who came late, whom your fathers did not did not know. You forgot the rock who fathered you and forgot the God who gave you birth. Further down, then he said, "I will hide my face from them. I will see that there will, there, I will see what their end will be. For they are a perverse generation, sons in whom there is no faithfulness. They have made me jealous with what is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols. So I will make them jealous with those who are not a people. That's us. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation." For a fire has flared my anger, and it burns to the lowest part of Sheol, and devours the earth with its yield, and sets on fire foundations of the mountains. I will add misfortunes to them. I will. Use up my arrows on them. They will be wasted by famine and emaciated by plague and a bitter epidemic. And the teeth of the beasts I will send against them with the venom of crawling things of the dust. For the day of their disaster is near, and the impending things are hurrying to them. For the Lord will vindicate his people and will have compassion on his servants when he sees that their strength is gone and there is none remaining bond or free. Ready for this? That's in the Song of Moses, Revelation 6, 9 to 10. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the bodies of those who have been killed because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who live on earth? And a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told that they will rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters who were to be killed, even as they had been, was completed also. So that's literally the same, like, and he will have, uh, the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their strength is gone and there is none remaining bond or free. Later down, Song of Moses, back to Exodus, uh, back to Deuteronomy. Rejoice, you nations, with his people. So that's the Gentiles and Israel. 
For he will avenge the blood of his servants, and he will return vengeance on his adversaries, and will atone for his land and his people. So, uh, just to... Josephus in the first century, he's a first century Jewish historian, right? Uh, in Antiquities Book 4, Moses recited to Israel a song of hexameter verse, which is more overbequeathed than a book preserved in the temple, containing a prediction of future events in accordance with which all has come and is coming to pass, the seer having in no way strayed from the truth. Um, so that song of Moses, so, so long story short, when Peter calls them a perverse generation, all of this is, that is from, when G- song G- of Moses. yeah, the song of Moses, which is, which is like the generation that is going to fall away from, from God. Which is why they have such a adverse response. It's like, Correct. how can which we is, be saved? And how can we be saved? What must we do? 3,000 souls are saved that day. And gotcha. then they continue to, the Lord continue to keep saving them daily. But then you see, again, you see the song of Moses. There's two songs of Moses. One of them is a warning, this one that we just read in Deuteronomy. And then the other one is from Exodus. When they come and out. It's, where they come out on the mm-hmm. other side is the praise one. Yeah. The one... The song of Moses that's in Revelation, that they all sang the song of Moses, is from the from the from the perspective of the avenged martyrs. So they start singing the one of praise. Oh, of praise. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they're he avenged them. Because it's he happened. Avenged, right, it's happened. Gotcha. And they sing the song of praise. But so it's it's the which one you would sing is depending on which side of the you know what I mean. If you're getting doomed, you're gonna it's the warning one. And and all that in in the the context because the, the verse that stuck out to me in this whole chapter when I was uh, reading ahead of time was that they were cut to the heart. Yeah. Because like as you're as you're reading this, like nothing on the surface is like well, why is he soft? Right. Right. guy soft? You yeah. Know what I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like he he just said that Jesus is God, um, and then that. Yeah. If you didn't believe that, why would you? Okay. Like. Yeah. So what what about you? Did he just make aware? Correct. Right. Because if you don't think he's God, right. Right, that's why this. That's why the falling of the whole. That's why the pouring out of the Holy Spirit was huge, and this miracle was and and the sign gifts and these things were huge for them mm. because they didn't believe he was God. They crucified him for claiming to be God, which is what they were supposed to do, according to Moses. If a prophet leads you to another god, kill him. Mm. So in their minds, they did everything right. Then all these things start to unfold. Peter's sermon cuts to their heart. He brings in Joel. These are the last days. You're a perverse generation. It's like he's he, he quotes Joel with the in the right in between the destruction on both sides of the Jerusalem that's coming. And I mean Jesus and Matthew right before the Olivet discourse calls them a perverse generation. So it's like they're cut to the heart because they know what all this means. We have about a generation to get our you know to get our stuff together. Yeah. And and it's it's literally in fulfillment of what they said at the cross. Let let his blood be on us and our children. And that's about a generation. Hmm. That, you know what I mean? That's about what, them and whoever would, could have been present, them and their kids. That's like, you know, it's like, so and they get cut to the heart heavy, like, because I think they know what Peter's saying when he's saying it. That's awesome, man. It's, it's a good backdrop. Yeah. Um, it's a nice sheet. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple, yeah, so there's a couple, Ezekiel, uh, Deuteronomy, obviously Psalms, the ones he quotes. Joel. Then but, 40 years later, all wiped out. Yeah. Except those who had fled and had heeded right. the warnings of Jesus. Wow. Which the prior verse, which uh, the top of Joel 2 says. Gotcha. Uh, what you just said was, the, uh, 
this was just clever, but I don't agree with it. There was this, uh, this meme I saw yesterday of, um, it was of Carrie Job's song, The Blessing. Mm. And it started off by saying, it was like one of those moving memes. And it just said, um, Oh, I know. I think I know. I think I know. It's like the, the new trillion dollar bill being pushed yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, who will pay for this? And then oh, it and was Carrie Job yeah, saying, yeah. and your family, yeah, and, your, and children, your children, and your children. Yeah. Um, a thousand mm -hmm. generations. Oh, that was funny. Um, awesome. So I, I, um, I think that we're going to not, not that I think this is the best. But I think we could crawl through this, this book mm. for an, the rest of the year. Um, and I, and I plan on doing that with my local Bible study. Um, so this, this podcast should not be supplementing, should not be replacing what we do also on Tuesday. So like a lot of times you'll hear Joe Cole and I be like, yo, you remember you said on Tuesday or Maddie said on Tuesday uh -huh. or, you know, someone said on Tuesday, um, it's just something we've already talked about once mm -hmm. and we've already studied at least yeah, once. Yeah, I like that this is after. <clears throat> Me too. Yeah. Um, so like we get to steal other people's ideas and make them seem <laughs> like they're ours. Um, but, uh, you know, Christians are like the biggest plagiarists. Um, but yeah, so I, like, I mean, starting with the New Testament, like, yeah, so I just want to encourage you guys as we say, as we say those comments. I hope it doesn't sound like annoying, like you're part of like some like we're you know the inside. We do have inside jokes. We've and we we do have inside information because we are inside of a fellowship um, and we are pouring into one another. Um, so if you feel like this is somehow your Bible study of the week, um, then stop listening and look up a local church's um, itinerary. Because um, you got to be plugged into some sort of home fellowship or on, sitting under a pastor or somebody that is pouring into you. And then this should be, okay, so let's, you know, it's, it's your, your third fill of the week of the Holy Spirit, you know, um, so that um, you can be, you know, understanding this. Because I just know that this would not be coming to life for me and my, and the word would not be coming living if this were the first time I were looking at the word this week. Yeah. Um, so I just encourage the listeners. Um you know, it may even feel like, you know, Joe just was going through like the scriptures, right? He spent uh, seven minutes reading the scriptures from Deuteronomy yeah. to like, that should not be boring to you. That should be, you know, as you're listening to him read the word, like just count it as maybe you're not making all the connections. Um, but we didn't either the first few times we've read those um, ourselves. It's the, if, you're, if nothing else, just let somebody read the word over you on your way to work yeah. this morning, you know? Um, and then just wait for the connections to be made after. Um so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Bible study is legitimately a, <coughs> a muscle. Yeah, it really is. It's like the, you're only going to be able to make connections when you're in it and seeing it. You yeah. can't make connections you've never seen before. Yeah. So it really is a muscle. Yeah. It's just like going to the gym. Like it sucks going to the gym when you're not in at least gym shape. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you got to at least get in there, and then you're like, "Oh, it's not bad." But like, so you got to at least get into gym. Well, no, it yeah. still, it still sucks. It still sucks. Yeah, everywhere. everything before the sun comes up sucks. But yeah, yeah. we can work out the daylight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't have to wake up before to go yeah. to the gym. Yeah. yeah, you could do um, it at a normal time. That's possible. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. When you, the more you work the muscle, you're, the more you're gonna get it. Like it's, have it's, a healthy body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Hey. Yeah. I mean, even for, for me, I've always fallen in the trap of like when the books that I'm in is the only book I'm in. And this is the first year, like I'm making it intentionally. I'm not doing that. And I know like you brought up before as a way to start the Bible. Like if you're reading a new Testament book, you have to be reading an old Testament book. It's, it's in your devotionals, even well, if you're yeah, not studying. You don't have to, but yeah, but it's like, nice. but yeah, like it's nice. and yeah. if you want to get the full picture is like, yeah. you make the, you make the connections. Cause if, if you really like are studying a book of the Bible, you could be there for three months and then mm -hmm. you haven't read any of the other mm -hmm. parts of the Bible. And then you, the connections really might not be made in, for a while. I think, uh, who's I telling? 
I, I was telling somebody that you have to look. Was it Brad Pitt? Probably, okay. definitely. Okay. Me and him, best friends, probably. Yeah. That there's there's different levels of looking at the Bible. If that makes sense. Not you. you stop. You did not say that to Brad Pitt. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I really, did. I he's think got I a lot of kids from like all the parts of the world. That's like gonna be impactful he? if he shares it with his kids. Does he? All right. I didn't know that. I know literally I have, nothing I, about Brad Pitt. I'll be I honest. feel like you're lying. We'll see. Like, let's be. continue. See if you. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that there's different levels of studying the Bible. There should be like, uh, like a a, a devotional slash just reading it and mm-hmm. meditating on the word, and then there should be like uh, studying it. Yeah. And you should be constantly all over. I think. Uh, Reading and meditating, and that should be. Uh, we've talked to like Ed Sepinowski about like reading the Bible one year or trying to read it multiple times a year. That it should be, you not exhausted from reading it, but that should be like that exercise part of it. Like right. that's your endurance. Like you're reading it and reading it and reading it, and it's getting it in your brain. And then there's that second level of it. It's like you can't do that to the same extent to scripture to study it mm. because then you would get exhausted more if that makes sense that's like throwing on the heavy weights and it's like all right let me dive into a few passages once a day uh, a couple times a week but you can't like get so deep in the in the weeds because then you're missing the extent and like the overall arching like reading of the scripture so i think you need to like have a balance between the two both should be in your life devotional reading constantly meditating on scripture but then also supplement it with like some deep getting in the weeds, mm-hmm. like all this stuff. Oh, I've read this stuff. Now let me like study it. And how does this connect? Oh, I, I remember reading this yesterday and I see how it connects here. Let me study that. Yeah. So like devotional sense? and study. Yeah. The, but I, I feel like people think that devotional is studying sometimes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or like, vice versa. Or vice versa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, I, I read my devotion today. I'm good. I know, I know things about the Bible. It's like, well, sometimes you're not going to make those connections. And that's, it's, we need to be reading and studying. It's like, it's, Hand in hand. Quick question. Am I muted? You are not muted. No. Okay, I see the big red button. I was like, no, no, no. That would have been very awkward. Like the whole time you should. <laughs> from, you know. No, I so would know. Yeah. I would know. Oh, okay. I, didn't. I thought you were listening to so like what did R. He Kelly say? over there. What did Brad Pitt say? He what said that, he said all that. He, he said, said that was, sh- <laughs> <laughs> he said that was a good idea and that uh, he's never looked at it that way. Oh. <laughs> not a lot of people have. Thanks for that. I, again, who, <laughs> whoever I said it to, not Brad Pitt. Uh, once again, Adam said so that. So why'd you me. lie? About not me. I did not say that. You said you lied. But then you said yes after I said, I said it. Potentially. I don't uh, know. Maybe I talked to him. <laughs> is, does, does Brad Pitt happen to be from Columbia? Oh, maybe he is. Okay. Maybe, maybe it was a, the Colombian version of Brad Pitt. Okay. Potentially. Yeah. I will say Brad Pitt's been getting better looking with age. I don't know if you've seen him oh, in yeah. his stuff. Some people just get better with, yeah. yeah. Like fine wine. I was not Jordan Peterson. Yeah, yeah. like the gray is looking mm-hmm. very good on him. Like the Dosecki's guy. Yeah, the most interesting man in the world. That guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that the guy with the the the, the beer? The two X. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm. I brought him up as a reference the other day because there's a guy in in uh, one of the books. I was like, you know, this is who I picture playing him, and nobody got the reference. And I was like, is that a commercial that's not aired? Anymore? I've seen the commercial in twelve years, but that used to be on all the time. That's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't know. The only reason I know it is because you've made the reference before, and I had to ask. Yeah, but you uh, like you don't know things. About like pop culture. <laughs> about pop, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. No, I meant like if I name like <laughs> I'm surprised Brad Pitt was somebody who just take that sound. But I mean, I know some pretty even that I don't really know him. I kind of picture his face, but that's about it. I don't oh, know man. nothing about him. Yeah, it's just he, the, those kind of names I grew up with were like staple uh, cultural names. And they're just fading so fast. Like people don't know Brad Pitt when I bring him up. Really? Yeah, like the kids don't know Brad Pitt. That's crazy. Has he done well, who is that equivalent to? That's Recent? like Ricky Ricardo and like <laughs> Lucy. <Yeah. laughs> 
Lucille Ball. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know who the replacement of that is. Like, they know Zac Efron still because he's still, like, pretty relevant. Has he done recent stuff? Like, I don't know. Because he's an actor, but, right? No, no. I mean, no, no, no not Zac. The, Brad Pitt has. Brad Pitt. Um, like, he was in a Netflix movie about the train, the on the assassins on the train. Um, but, like, he's done some, like. Okay. But Mur- I don't oh, think, murder on whatever? Yeah. Not the Orient Express. That's a. Uh, Oh, that's what I was I, No, no, no. Uh, it's, um, I definitely had a different actor in my head. Now I got Brad Pitt uh Fight Club, right? Fight Club. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. Different. Who were you thinking? Uh I can't I just see his face. I don't know. Like I am thinking of a football player. Uh, uh Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. Jerome Bettis. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many things are funny about that. The actual joke and also the fact that that's the only football player you know. I, still, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a guy that didn't look like Brad yeah. Pitt. Um no, it's funny. I think the reason why people aren't so uh, – there's not a sol- um, solidarity in the knowledge of actors nowadays is because um, there's so much content mm-hmm. and blockbusters aren't really a thing anymore. Like I'll ask mm. – it used to be like you'd be like, oh, Harry Potter, bam, Lord of the Rings, bam, and like it's, everybody was seeing it. Now it's like I'm making a reference to so like – niche like, – like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll, I'll mention something that is like the number one recommend thing on Netflix and like, um, like one that's really, really popular is The Outer Banks. Like I can reference that. It's a show, or it's a show, yeah, about like teens finding treasure, um, and it's one of those shows where just everybody's beautiful in it, so like all the teens like it, um, and uh, that one I can reference. Like I, I watched like a couple episodes and go, and like looked at the rest of it because I was trying to make connections to like books because I was getting observed and they like gotcha. making world world connections, and, yeah. And so I was like, this Great Expectations is like Outer Banks, and like still only half the kids got it. So like, there's no like but friends also, or that's that's that, that is there's a reason that's a newer thing because when I was young I couldn't I I knew older actors yeah you know I knew Marlon Brando Jackie Gleason uh, but again I think Robert that goes Niro, back like it's the amount of content and the fact that there's so many yeah. streaming services so many movies coming out the the closest thing you could get is probably Oscars maybe even yeah. that there's some random stuff like, that there's people aren't gonna even Marvel movies know. no like, like I would say like no. Iron Man I would say like two thirds of them I've seen. But like, there's so many Marvel things coming yeah, out now where no I way. can't even. You mentioned Ant Man. Like, I haven't seen the last two. I was gonna Ant-Mans, say I haven't watched you know? the last like three or four. Like, I've been so behind. You just can't keep up. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. it's just crazy to me. Growing up, it would be like I knew every actor's name. That was like my thing. I liked learning. I, mm-hmm. IMDb is like always thing I'd pull up. And now it's just so much that it's hard. Mm. Um, so you're saying it's the Zoomers? It's my generation. Where the where the issue? The Zoomers? Yeah. Huh. Is that a generation? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Zoomers. Was that the one after me? After yeah, after millennials. It's nineteen. I thought it was X. Nineteen ninety six. It's uh, same thing. X and Zoomers. I think it's uh, Zoomers. Sounds like funny to me. I don't know why. Like the Boomers. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would be Gen Z. Maybe that's why they call it. I don't know. Um, World War Z. You know the Brad Pitt movie. Wait. Inglorious I'm, I'm, Bad what, People. What's Gen Z? <laughs> um, I don't know how I just made that up. I really don't know. I don't know anything. I, I just stopped caring. I like how you left it around a joke there. English bastard. So, so. <laughs> okay, that's right. So, just Gen Z is 1990 to 2010. Gen- what? Yes. Gen Z is 1990? Yeah, yeah 1990. So, to- I guess we're Z. I'm Generation Z? Yeah. Wait, weren't you born in like 1940 something? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I hate everything. You no, are 90, though, right? I was 90. Yeah. I, my whole entire life, I thought I was a millennial. That can't be right. I'm looking these up. Millennials. Wait, millennials. There you go. Millennials are also known as Generation Y. Y are the demographic of X. These are 1980s to 19 to the mid 1990s. Okay, so they don't give an exact. Oh no, to 90s. Yeah, 
1981 to 1996. Sorry, the initial thing was generalizing. So what am I? Just tell me. <laughs> Are you born before 1996? 90. 90, so you're a millennial, or Gen Y. Then after that, so I'm 98, that'd be Gen Z. Or what are you? So you're millennial too? So yeah. And then before that is X. It goes to the alphabet, and then they, they're back now to A, which is alpha generation, which is would be your kids and... Like I think, I, Wait, everybody. That's a, that's a sick name. That'd be a yeah, sick no, one. I, I feel like oh, everybody blames us for everything, but I, the gen, the one after us is way worse. Like, we work. That's hurtful. I work. Yeah, but grand, I'm on the top I end say of the we generation as, as a whole. I don't know. Everybody I know that I went to high school with has like jobs and they're working and they're, they're fine. Yeah, but even his age, like I wouldn't say his age. I would say it's the high schoolers now. They just haven't had a chance to get jobs yet. Right. Yeah, early. No, but what I'm saying, early is, 2010s. So they would be at. The latest of Zoomers would be 12 years old. I'm saying whatever the generation that grew up with social media, that's going to be – that's the worst generation. Yeah. So Z and Alpha, like – Yeah. I didn't grow up with social media, but I, like, grew up into it. Yeah, pr- pr- yeah, pretty much. Though. You were, like, a – Like, as I was getting – like, when I was how – old, How old were you I would have been – I would have been 10. Yeah, that's – yeah. 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 But it wasn't like as concrete. Now it's like concrete. So the kids growing up in it now, oh, yeah, but like now it's so advanced and like yeah. There, there are so many amazing kids in that generation. But like just to describe to you the overall sentiment, like I had a kid sleep through my entire lesson yesterday, and I just like you just I kept prompting him, I kept falling asleep in the lesson. I was like, just so you know, like I can't give you credit for like anything that you're gonna turn in because like you slept the whole lesson, and I know you didn't hear what we said. So if you do it, I know you're just copying off someone else. So like you know, she's like, you'll hear from my father. Oh, that's the cut. That's the response. It was like, I'm sorry. Like, I'll make it up. It was like, you're going to hear from my dad. Oh my God. I'll feel him too. I don't care. Yeah, I was like very <laughs> yeah. compassionate. You I said you, it. I yeah. was like, just, you know, you're not going to get credit for this work. But like, if you want to stay after, I'd happy to explain it again. You'll hear from my dad. I was like, all right. I, like, that's just a, such a strange response. And, and it's, it's also like that. It's such an empty threat. What's he going to do? I don't know. I mean, I would love to talk to your father. Sounds like a nice guy. He's doing a great job being a parent so far. So, um, uh, anyway. I don't know where we went with the generations, but I think generational <laughs> difference now is the content is so much that they just don't know. There's no like unifying media. Yeah. Because um, it used to be Netflix for a while. And like, you, like you're mentioning, mm-hmm. oh, like, you know, this Netflix show. But now like every streaming service, there's like a million of them. How can you keep up? Yeah, because I, whenever I teach like story arcs, like I, the plot diagram, I would always be like, all right, Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, or like Lord of the Rings. Oh, and, geez, now, yeah, that's... and now it's just like, oh, I got like to do like four of them. It's like mm-hmm. Stranger Things, Ozarks, mm-hmm. like, I got to find like the newest Star Wars, and then I'll do a video game storyline. Oh, that's an interesting that's way it, to do it. They'll all have played Ocarina of Time. Duty. Yeah, Ocarina Zelda. Of Time. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. Remember Ganondorf and he did. <laughs> oh, is that a real person on the? So, yeah, you shot my pass. Wait, oh no, Ganondorf. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking. Uh, wait, is that the same uh, guy that's in I the? I never played him. No, no, I watched, wait, wait, I watched my not. brother play him. Oh, I'm I'm confusing two things. Is that guy not also in the Hobbit? I can't help you because no, I, that's a different. That's a different name. Gandalf. Gandalf. Yeah. Okay, all right. That's close enough though. It's close. And the one thing I'm realizing, um, having watched Harry Potter for the first time ever. Um, recently, just like the like clips mm-hmm. of the movies that's in the background, is that I think in like England, there's only like ten actors total. <laughs> like when I watch Harry Potter, like the movies, I'm like, I just watched another like English movie, and they're all the, all same. the same. They recast <laughs> the same people. It's it's always like um, Helen Bottom Carter, Voldemort is in everything. <coughs> yeah, it's gotta be hard to find. <laughs> 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 all right, Pentecost too. 
<laughs> um, yeah. So, human encounter. <laughs> Is that gout? <laughs> I can't talk anymore. <laughs> I'm not to cough. Yeah. All right, tune in next week. Yeah. We'll be continuing acts. We have a couple guests that are coming on soon. All right. Have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning into the Encounter Podcast and being part of the Encounter community. We treat this podcast as a ministry. We pray for it. We pray for our listeners, and we pray that the guests and the information and the gospel that we share on this channel and this media platform are always and only glorifying to Christ and Christ alone. And while we do that, guys, our podcast sometimes spans one to three hours. So if you hear anything that you disagree with while we are speaking, which is highly likely, be Berean Christians, you have a few options. The first one would be to take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. The second one would be to know that your and our authority should be and always be the scripture. So before you take anything at our word, please open the pages of your Bible, read them and find out what absolute truth looks like. Find it and then the next step would be to reach out to us and we would love to learn from our listeners um, as you are listening through a one-way communication to about our podcast. So please reach out to us with questions, concerns. We want to be held accountable. We want to have conversations. We want to see actual growth. But first, take a deep breath. Second, open your Bible. And three, give us a shout out. Have a blessed week.